J. Michael back. Praise the Lord. Our enemy is cast out of heaven forever. What a celebration we will be having with our Lord and Savior. But woe to those left on earth after the rapture of the church. Friends, you do not want to be an inhabitor of the earth when this happens. Now is the time to receive Christ as Savior. And now is the time to tell family and friends of the upcoming events. In our next lesson, Pastor Don will introduce us to the Antichrist. This is a lesson you do not want to miss. Until then, keep looking up and listening for the shout. Thank you again, J. Michael, uh, for that introduction. Uh, welcome back to the Majestic Academy. Uh, we are on episode number 29 in our study of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, a lesson entitled, as J. Michael said, The Great Dragon is Cast Out. The Great Dragon is Cast Out. This is a great lesson. Um, we're going to read out of Revelation 12, and uh, verses 7 through 17. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And, and to the woman were given two wings of an eagle, that she might fly to the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war and the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this great portion of Scripture. Father, open hearts now. I pray that folks would just be able to understand this, and it would cause them uh, to uh, either to receive Christ as Savior or to get family and friends uh, to listen to these messages that they might understand the end times, what's coming. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so this chapter we are studying here in Revelation is a chapter wrapped in conflict. In our last study, we witnessed war between the nation of Israel, 
symbolized by a pregnant woman and Satan symbolized by a great red dragon. As we read our text today, you may have noticed that these verses continue the image of conflict. In fact, verse 7 is quite a shock to the system. When we read of war in heaven, it kind of takes us back. We don't think of heaven as being a place where wars are fought. If the Bible announced a war on earth, we would not be shocked. Our world has a long history of bloody warfare. According to one statistician, in the the 5,560 years of recorded human history, there have been some 14,531 wars. Many of history's wars were conflicts between two nations or two factions within a nation. But in World War II, war was taken to new and devastating heights. By the time the war reached its zenith, only 12 nations in the whole world were not involved in the conflict, or at least at some level. Uh, In the year 2000, just 11 years ago, there were 40 armed conflicts being fought on this earth in 36 different nations. Our world is a world of warfare. When we read of warfare in heaven, we're taken back. This war will settle a conflict that has been raging since before there was a world. As we discovered in our last study, Lucifer, who seems to have been the chief among God's angels, sinned against God. He led one-third of the angels of heaven away from God in this rebellion, and he and they were removed from God's presence. Lucifer became Satan, and he has done everything in his power to disrupt the eternal plan of God to redeem his elect people and his ruined creation. Since that time, as we're going to discover, Satan has had a very limited access to heaven. This chapter tells us about the final battle in this age-old war. In this battle, Satan, the great dragon, is cast out of heaven forever. While there are details here that are confusing, these verses are a blessing to the children of God. They tell us of a day when Satan will finally and eternally be cast out of heaven. So let's look at these verses and examine a few more of the participants of the tribulation period. So we're going to, we're going to listen to a message here as I teach the great dragon. The dragon is cast out. And so uh, we see the revealing of the dragon. These are several passages that talk about the devil, his origin and activities. And so, and so one passage is Isaiah, Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which does weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. Listen to these eyes now. As I read this, listen to these eyes. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights to the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Let me just note here that when we start saying I like this, I this, and I've done that, and I've done that, and I've been here, and I've been there, uh, that word pride 
steps in. And when we talk about me, myself, and I, uh, that's just pride. And the devil here, his pride is what brought him down. And your pride will do the same to you. Anyway, back to our lesson. That was just free. You don't have to pay for that one. <laughs> this passage seems to reveal the devil far more clearly than any other passage in the Bible. So let's look a little more, learn a little more about the dragon today. In, in verse 9, we see his names. A quick look at the names given to this creature reveals more about him, uh, really, than he wants people to know. Uh, number one is a dragon. The dragon is a winged, mythical creature that resembles a serpent with four legs. Dragons are usually associated with fierceness, brutality, violence, and destruction. Superstitious people in the Dark Ages lived in fear of fire-breathing dragons. The image is fitting for Satan. He is a violent character bent on total destruction of God and his creation. He is responsible for countless deaths and wars. And then secondly, we see a name, Old Serpent. This immediately calls back to the first appearance of Satan in the Bible in Genesis 3, verse 1. In that passage, Satan appears to Eve in the form of a serpent and entices her to commit sin. The image of a serpent is an image of something that is evil, contemptible, detestable, deceitful, underhanded, and sly. What a perfect des uh, description and depiction of the devil. He spends his time attempting to deceive everyone he encounters. And thirdly, we see his name, the devil. The word devil comes from the word diabolos, which refers to one who is a slanderer and a false accuser. It pictures him as a creature who stands before God accusing the saints of God. This is just what the Bible says he will do in Job 1 and 2. When we fail, he accuses us before the throne of God. He slanders our name, and he slanders our Savior too. Fourth, this word means, I'm sorry, fourth, his name is Satan. Satan, this word means adversary, or one who stands opposed. This is what Satan is all about. He opposes everything uh, that has to do with God. He opposes everything God is trying to do. He opposes the people of God, the house of God, the word of God, the plan of God. He stands in open opposition to everything that is decent, holy, and right. He is an adversary. His nature, his nature, this passage not only reveals Satan through his names, but also through his nature. This passage reveals the two most common activities of the devil. In verse 9, we see that he is revealed by his earthly deceptions. We are told that it is he which deceiveth the whole world. The word deceiveth means to seduce, to lead astray, to lead out of the right way. That is Satan's mission. When he appeared before the Lord in Job 1.7, says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. He was asked about his activities in chapter 2, verse 2. He replied that he had come from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. He was on the prowl for souls to deceive. 
And that's what Peter says about him in 1 Peter 5, 8. He says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The word seeking in that verse means to crave, to reason, to plot. Satan is always plotting someone's fall. He craves the souls of men. He reasons out ways to turn people away from God and from Christ. And he is very good at what he does. He can come into our midst and not even be recognized. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan is a deceiver, and he always has been. When he came to Eve in the Garden of Eden, he, he is called subtle. That word means crafty and shrewd. Satan deceived Eve, and he has been deceiving people ever since. He will continue to uh, weave his web of lies and half-truths until he is cast into the lake of fire. Secondly, in verse 10, he is revealed by some heavenly declarations. Satan is described by the hosts of heaven as the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The word accuser means to make an accusation. It speaks of a plaintiff who brings up another person on charges. That is Satan's business. It seems from Job 1.6 and 2.1 that Satan still has some limited access to the throne of God. When he appears there, he does so to condemn the saints of God. He did this to Job and to Joshua. Zechariah 3.1 says, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. He stands before God and points out our sins and our failures. He does not have to lie about us because we have enough failure and sin in our lives that he has a ready supply of accusations to make. Yet, when he opens his mouth and declares his case, the saints of God have a man on the inside. Praise the Lord. We have a lawyer in heaven. Praise the Lord. 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. In Romans 8, 34, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that he is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Thank you, Lord. The word advocate in 1 John 2 means one who pleads another's cause before a judge. Jesus Christ, our advocate, stands up to declare us just and justified. He pleads our case by showing the nail prints in his hands and feet. He pleads the blood he shed on the cross as the perfect eternal payment for all our sins. And the Father cries, Case dismissed! <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Case dismissed! Now let me just say this as a side note. These verses only apply to those that are born again, that are bought by the, by the blood of Christ. If you're not saved today, these verses do not apply to you. And I just, and I just uh, plead with you 
to bow your head and receive Christ as your personal Savior because you will not be, you are, you are not, and you will not be uh, judged innocent by the blood of the Lamb. Anyway, again, another one of those free interludes there. Um, and then, and then, not only do we see the revealing of the dragon, we also see the removal of the dragon. In verses 7 through 9, he is defeated by a heavenly warrior. We do not know who initiates this war in heaven, but we know who wins it. The angelic hosts of heaven are led in this conflict by an angel named Michael. His name means, Who is like God? He is a special angel. He is called an archangel. In Jude 1.9, in Daniel 10.13, he is called one of the chief princes. In Daniel 12.1, he is called the great prince. Michael opposes the onslaught of Satan and his demonic army. He leads the heavenly angels in permanent ousting of Satan and his demons from heaven. In verse 8, tells us, Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. In verse 9, tells us that he and his angels were cast out into the earth. The word cast out means to let go of a thing without caring where it falls. Satan is forever driven from heaven. And then in verse 10 and 11, we see that he is defeated by holy witnesses. When Satan is cast out of heaven, the glory spills out of the cup and overflows the saucer. Heaven literally explodes in praise and thanksgiving. The tormentor, the accuser of the brethren, the archenemy of God, and the most feared and hated being in the universe had been forever expelled from heaven. So the citizens of heaven praise God and the Lamb for their power and glory is overcoming the devil. Amen. Then, praise is rendered on behalf of the tribulation saints who were martyred for their faith. While Michael was able to expel him from heaven, these Christian martyrs are called overcomers as well. They use three weapons to defeat the devil. They use the blood of the Lamb. They did not fall for Satan's lies that religion would be good enough. They did not fall for the lie that they were good enough. When they saw their condition, they turned to Jesus by faith, and they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. Once they were hidden behind the fortress of the blood of Jesus, they were safe from all attacks by Satan against their souls. He might kill the bodies, but he could not touch their souls. They had been redeemed, and they obtained eternal victory. So again, my question, my friends, is have you been washed in the blood? Have you been washed? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And secondly, they used the word of their testimony. They stuck to their guns. They would not renounce their faith in Jesus. The word testimony means report. They claimed to be redeemed followers of Jesus. They never backed down from that claim. Their steadfastness helped them achieve victory over Satan. He may have killed their bodies, but they did with their test what they did with their testimonies fresh on their lips is defeated Satan and, and, and he was sealed with every death. Amen. His Satan was sealed. His defeat was sealed with every death. And and then they they used their supreme love for Jesus. Even when they were threatened with death, they would not back down. They loved their Redeemer more than they loved their own lives. They would sooner die for him who died 
food for them than deny him. They stood their ground and courageously faced a martyr's death, knowing that when life left the body here, it would continue forever in his blessed presence. Let me just mention this. Uh, as, I, as I teach this uh, and read my notes here, um, Afghanistan has just been turned back over to this group called the Taliban. And there are many Christians in an underground church there in Afghanistan. And these people are being martyred for their faith. It's, it's a terrible thing. People have been martyred uh, down through history. Today, uh, in Africa, uh, China, uh, now Afghanistan, and around the world, people are being martyred for their faith. They may come to us, my friends. They may come to us one day. There's no guarantee that we won't go through that. And so my question for all of us, including yours truly here, is will we stand like these tribulation saints? Will we stand for the cause of Christ? Will we stand for our faith? We must. We must. No matter what, what happens, we must never renounce Jesus Christ as our Savior. Uh, Again, they can, they can kill our bodies, but they cannot take our souls. We are ever secured, ever secured uh, in our presence for eternity. Um, thirdly, we see the rampage of the dragon. The dragon is not happy. Satan is not a happy camper right now. Satan does not take being cast out of heaven very well. So now he turns his wrath to the only place he can still operate. He turns his wrath to earth. We see in verse 12 the fury of the dragon's attack. This pronounces a divine war on the inhabitants of the earth because they are about to feel the unfiltered fury of an angry devil. He knows that he only has a very limited time before the eternal plan of the Lord is finished. He knows that he is facing certain judgment. Since he cannot vent his anger towards heaven and God any longer, he turns his hatred earthward and attacks the people that continue to live on the earth. In verses 13 through 17, we see the focus of the dragon's attack. The primary object of Satan's wrath becomes the chosen people of God, the nation of Israel. As we saw in verses 1 through 6, Satan hates Israel and does everything in his power to destroy that nation. In these verses, we are given a few more details of that terrible time. We are told that Satan persecuted the woman. That word persecuted means to chase or to pursue. It refers to a very hostile pursuit. Satan goes after Israel with a vengeance. He pursues them with violent destruction on his mind. But we are told again that they are divinely protected. The image of the eagle's wings is symbolic of God's personal protection of his chosen people. God brings Israel into a chosen place of safety that he has prepared for them. There he will feed them and care for them for three and one half years. Satan will be prevented from totally destroying the nation of Israel. Verse 15 depicts the attacks of Satan being like a great flood of water. He will pull out all the stops and try everything at his disposal to destroy Israel. But even the earth gets involved. We are told in verse 16 that the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood. 
This may mean that some friendly nations of the earth, maybe, maybe Gentile people, will reach out to Israel and take them in and give to their need during these dark days. Or it may mean that the earth will absorb the blows Satan intended for Israel. Whatever these images mean, one thing is clear. God has a plan for Israel and Satan will not, will not thwart that plan. God is sovereign and he will do as he has said he will do concerning all things, especially, especially the nation of Israel. Verse 17 teaches us that there will be a faithful remnant of Israel during the dark days of the tribulation. There will be a multitude of Jews saved through the preaching of the 144,000 Jewish preachers and the two witnesses who will preach in Jerusalem. These redeemed Jews will embrace the Messiah and they will come back to the word of God. They will be persecuted for their faith, but a remnant will be saved. God will have the final say. And he says that Satan loses and God's people win. And again, hallelujah, praise the God. Uh, amen and amen. And so in conclusion, um, you know, as I have, have, have studied these words and, and, and taught on these messages, um, I've seen and studied and, and taught some horrible things. Yet, every now and then we are allowed to find a cause for rejoicing even in this dark and mysterious book. In this passage, we learn that the devil, that evil, evil being who has fought against God and, and against us and against his plan, for thousands of years, he's going to be defeated. He's going to lose. We learn that the one who has accused us when we failed and has condemned us by name in heaven will one day be cast out of that glorious city. We will learn later that his path will end in the flames of the lake of fire. And I say that any word that talks about the devil getting what is coming to him, uh, that's, that's a good word. Um, I, I'm okay with that. In fact, I, uh, I, I just love the fact that our adversary, the devil, uh, who has literally tormented us day and night without, without fail, uh, without a break, um, relentless, uh, he's going to get, uh, as my mom would say, his comeuppance. Uh, <laughs> that's an old word. We don't use that word anymore, but he's going to get what's coming to him. Um, now, now, again, as I've mentioned, uh, and I, I don't want to seem like I'm redundant here because this is so important. There, there may be some here listening uh, that, that have never been saved. Uh, today is the day of salvation. This is your day. You need to come to Jesus and he will forgive you of your sins. He will cleanse you forever, and he will save you. First uh, John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me, let me finish with this. Um, this is a story by, by Steve Currington. Uh, Steve Currington was a wonderful man. He started a, a ministry called um, Reformers Unanimous. You may be familiar with that. Uh, I am very uh, familiar with Reformers Unanimous. When I was pastoring up in Canada, we, 
we had it there. And when I moved down here to the States, uh, Riverview Baptist Church has that ministry there. And, and Steve Currington tells a story that described what this means as far as being cleansed, uh, not just forgiven, but cleansed from all unrighteousness. He talks of a story. He had, he had five little daughters. He talks of a story one day his wife had gone to church and it was Sunday morning and uh, he was tasked with getting those, uh, getting those girls ready for church. And uh, he took one little girl and, and he put her in the bathtub and got her all cleaned up and, and uh, got her ponytails all, all done and put her in a little Sunday, uh, Sunday dress and, and uh, uh, got her going and, and uh, went to the next little girl. And uh, uh, the first little girl said, uh, Daddy, can I go outside? He said, no, honey, um, you know, it's been raining and it's, and it's muddy outside. You'll get all dirty. And she says, no, I won't, Daddy. I'll be okay. I'll be careful. And he goes, well, okay, go ahead. And he goes back to getting the next little girl ready. So he gets them all ready and he, and he gets them all herded up and gets, gets them going down the stairs. And there's that first little girl standing at the bottom of the stairs. And she's mud uh, from head to toe and she's crying she says daddy daddy I'm sorry I'm sorry I know you told me not to go outside but but I just wanted to go out there and and I'm sorry um, and uh, he says oh honey you know I told you not to go outside he says come on back upstairs and we'll get you all cleaned up and and so he took her back upstairs and he put her back in the bathtub and and uh, got her all cleaned up and and uh, put her in a uh, in a clean dress and got her all ponytails all fixed up and and uh, and uh, went up to church and he he says you know why I did that he says you know why I I didn't just send her to church looking muddy like that so everybody would know that she disobeyed her daddy uh, he said no I didn't want anybody to know. He said, I knew. He said, that was enough. But I didn't want anybody else to know that my little girl disobeyed me and went outside in the mud. And that's the way God is with us. He cleanses us. He didn't want, he doesn't want anybody to know our life and what we've done. Um, he knows. God knows. And when we go to him and seek his forgiveness, that little girl asked, asked his daddy to, to please forgive, forgive her for, for disobeying him. And, and uh, that's what we need to do. We need to go to God and ask for forgiveness. And he is faithful and just to forgive us. And not just forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I just, again, ask you, would you come to God and, and seek his forgiveness? And ask him to come in and make you a new creation in Christ to clean you up, to make you a brand new child of God. Not just made over. You know, Steve Currington didn't just kind of brush her off a little bit and send her to church with a dirty dress. No, he took her and he cleaned her completely up, top to bottom. New, new dress. And that's what God does to us. He makes us brand new. He puts on a robe of righteousness. We have, when you're born again, you have a robe of righteousness, a clean, white, untarnished robe of righteousness, and we become a new creation in Christ. And so would you, again, would you bow your head and just uh, seek God's forgiveness?
believe that Christ died for you, believe he rose again, and as Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on Jesus today, ask him to save you and become a new creation in Christ. Father, thank you for this time. I pray that there would be some out there that would make the decision to receive Christ as a personal savior. Oh God, that they would just bow their heads and they would know for sure that when they die, they get to go to heaven uh, and be with you for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. So until the next time, we have another study in the book of the Revelation as we talk about the Antichrist. Until then, keep looking up and listening for the shout. This is J. Michael Edwards, back here in the Majestic Academy, where excellence is accepted, but perfection is expected. For we were made perfect in Christ when we got saved. Are you perfect? Today, Pastor Don teaches on the Great Deceiver, the one who has plagued mankind since the Garden experience. So, take your seats, get your Bible and notepad ready, and listen as Pastor Don opens the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ and teaches a lesson from chapter 12 entitled, The Great Dragon is Cast Out.